Hey, everybody. This is Bob Goodwin, and welcome to another episode of Career Club Live. Thank you for joining. If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, feel free to subscribe, like, comment. Uh, that helps. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, it's always great uh, if you can leave a little review, give us a rating. That really helps. So thank you for doing that. Today's episode is brought to you by our newest service that we call Next Placement. So if you happen to be an HR professional and you are faced with the challenge of transitioning employees, we'd love for you to check out Next Placement, which is a more people-centric, empathetic approach to helping folks who are transitioning from one company to the next. Uh, with that, I am really pleased to have today's guest, a new friend and somebody that I've really enjoyed getting to know over the past uh, little bit. Uh, it's Kyle Schlegel. Kyle is the VP of Marketing for the Americas uh, for Weber Grills, an iconic brand. And I'm going to read just a little bit about Kyle's background for you. But um, prior to Weber, Kyle was at Wilson Sporting Goods, where he led the global marketing organization for their racket sports business. So if you're a tennis player, you know Wilson is the leading brand uh, and is the most historic brand in tennis. And Kyle led their global marketing. Um, uh, before that, he was with... Uh, Hilrick and Bradsby, which is Louisville Slugger Bats, again, another very iconic brand that was eventually acquired by Wilson. And then prior to that, he really cut his chops at Procter & Gamble, where he was in brand management on global brands that everybody knows, like Old Spice and Herbal Essences. So with that, Kyle, welcome. Bob, thanks very much. Uh, glad to be joining today. Happy Friday. Yeah. No, happy Friday to you. It's, it's great to see you. So thank you for joining. Wow, what a great background. So to help people get to know you just a little bit, we like to do some icebreaker questions just real quick. Um, so here we go with Rocks Fab Five. Uh, where were you born and raised? I was born in Michigan City, Indiana, so not far from Chicago, but uh, really spent all of my childhood in a uh, small town in Kentucky called Russellville, Kentucky, which is I don't know, 15 miles from the Tennessee border. So it's oh, deep wow. South Kentucky. There you go. Um, and then where'd you go to school? I went to Miami of Ohio. Um, so, you know, crossed the Mason Dixon line, if, as it were, the Ohio river and, uh, yes. and went to, to Miami. Yeah. And Oxford, beautiful Oxford, our oldest went, went to Miami. What a beautiful campus, isn't it? It's one of those, you come onto the campus for the first time and you feel like you're on a movie set. You're like, oh, this is what a college campus is supposed to look like. And the, the, the red oh, brick, the ivy, the whole bit. No, it's very, I, very pretty. I went in the middle of a like a terrible winter storm and still fell in love with the place and, and couldn't wait to go. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And then just a little bit about your family. Yeah. So uh, married to my wife, Audra, who I met at P&G. She's also a, a Miami alum. Um, so yeah, we've been married 17 years and um, we have a daughter, Madeline, who uh, today's her last day of sixth grade. So, um, yeah, we're having a, a lot of fun. Now, did, did I read that you might have a dog or two? <laughs> We've uh, we we brought home a, a rescue fifteen years ago that turned out to be mixed with a Newfoundland, and we just <laughs> fell in love with the large breed. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, we have a, a a pup, Izzy, now who's two years old and a, a and a Newfoundland. So that's a Newfie, really? Newfie. Yeah, we just. Yeah. We love the breed. They're a. They're pretty lazy, which is great. Um, but b. They're just so lovable and and uh, easy to hang out with. They're uh, yeah. They're fun to ride. <laughs> yeah, I we have a lot of pictures of my daughter when she was much younger with our first dog that was 130 pounds. That yeah, you know, she uh yeah. They're so they're so gentle. But yeah, we would set her on top of them and and uh, and yeah, he didn't seem to mind. <laughs> That's cool. 
Now, I, I, I name dropped some of the places where you've uh, kind of learned your craft and then shared your expertise. But do you mind just sort of you know, kind of painting a little bit of the picture of your career for folks? Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, so I, uh, I'll, I'll go back to Miami. I, I was dead set on going to law school. I, you know, there's a generation that'll get this, but I wanted to be Perry Mason. I remember yes. watching the Perry Mason reruns and about halfway through, I, I, I shadowed my grandfather and uncle who were, who were attorneys. And I was like, oh, this is, we're not going to court every day. We don't get to go <laughs> argue our case in front of the court. Um, and, uh, and so was looking for like, what is it I want to do? And, and uh, my parents suggested, well, you like trying to convince people of your point of view. <laughs> how about how about you uh, look into marketing? And and it was just a a perfect fit. So I ended up um, moving to to a marketing major, and was lucky enough to get an offer from Procter and Gamble. And when you're at Miami and you get a Procter and Gamble offer, you you it's just a <laughs> start the stopwatch for how quickly you want to say yes to to that yes. opportunity. And so I I moved to Cincinnati after school. Um, Spent my first five years in in market research, what was referred to as CMK at the time um, for PNG folks out there, and and loved it. It was a great start to get to know the consumer. That's the heart of any brand, any brand success. Um, but I had a desire to move over to to brand management. Um, you know, for me, that's where my heart was. I wanted to get into the advertising side, help shape where the brand was going. Um, there were a lot of opportunities that were available to you at PNG from the brand management function. And so I spent my last eight years um, in in brand management there working on Old Spice and Herbal Essences and Aussie. Um, had an opportunity to work abroad, which was always on my list of things I wanted to do mm-hmm. in life. So uh, my wife and I um, spent two years in Geneva um, working in the- Oh, year. darn, that sounds terrible. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, we, we, we muscled through the two years in Geneva and the skiing and the travel and- yeah. um, but I, it, while I was there, I got to work on Wella, which was uh, P&G had just acquired a German hair care brand. And so I went back and forth between Frankfurt and Geneva and trying to really kind of connect the two entities while I was there um, and really enjoyed that experience. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of my P&G career, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but I, there was this this passion kind of building up inside of me. I've been an athlete my whole life. I've been a fan of sports my whole life. And I don't know that I realized that passion and profession could be the same thing. And the more I started talking to mentors and I just kept getting this like response back of, well, you should figure out a way to work in sports. <laughs> um, and and many of those were mentors and, and friends at P&G who just saw that kind of passion in me. And that's what led to Louisville Slugger. So um, they were looking for folks with kind of a classically trained background um, in, in marketing but that also had a passion for for what they did, and so um, I went to Louisville Slugger and was there a little over three years. Had a chance to relaunch the brand, um, eventually selling to to Wilson for kind of the next era of the Louisville Slugger brand, and mm-hmm. um, but loved the time there when you can work on you know this fifth generation family business, this brand that's been handed down quite literally generation to generation. It was it was a blast for me and. You know your your photo shoots are on ball diamonds, like yes. uh, it, it's it's good stuff. Um, but then had the choice to do I go with Wilson or not? Uh, you know after the acquisition and and chose to 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 stay in the sporting goods world. We moved to Chicago um, with that, and really loved the the time of you know uh, leading global marketing for the Racket Sports Group and mm-hmm. spending time with our athletes, events, um, trying to change the way the Weber brand was or the the Wilson brand. I do that sometimes. Uh, the Wilson brand was uh, was viewed around the world and 
you know, another icon that, mm-hmm. that you're we're seeking to refresh, right? I, I found myself in my career a number of times at that pivot point of these longstanding heritage brands that are trying to figure out what the next generation of the brand yes. looks like. Um, yeah, and then during COVID found myself, I'll use the, uh, the, the sports parlance, I found myself a free agent mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in, in the COVID environment and, um, you know, uh, picked myself back up and, and found uh, a Weber opportunity that was really a perfect fit. And so I've been at Weber coming up on three years now and um, my roles continue to evolve quite a bit. We've been through a lot of changes at Weber, um, but I, I keeps bringing on new challenges and I'm, I'm kind of loving that environment. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you, um, to, to, to go back in time, I, I, this is probably in the Wilson museum, I would guess, but like, uh, Jack Kramer racket and Stan Smith racket. Know know them well. Well, ones that I grew up with. So that's pretty cool. I think Um, the Jack Kramer racket is still the most sold racket in the history of the sport. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You had a double diamond. It was very cool. Like I, I really enjoyed growing up playing tennis in in Louisville, as it turns out. So bringing sluggers together, but, um, (laughs) That's awesome. And then very, very quickly, um, what do you like to do when you're not at work? What, what, what are hobbies, passions for you? I it, Family first. Um, I My daughter, I mentioned, is 12 years old. She's playing softball now. And so whether I'm coaching or cheering from the sidelines, I, mm-hmm. I just love being there and, and being a part of it. Uh, we love to travel. Um, you know, we yeah, any the more places we can go see and do and experience, the better. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned being an athlete. I I, I still dabble in whatever sport my body can can handle <laughs> these days. Um, well and, and so love getting, what's that? I said, well said. <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, and so, yeah, I just really enjoy doing, doing all of that. Cool. So, so let's kind of dive into it and, you know, typically the way we'll do these is a little bit of talking shop for a few minutes. And then I'd, I'd like to talk career stuff uh, as well. So, you know, just kind of, Overview. Can you describe what your role is at Weber for folks? Sure. Yeah, we uh, we just went through a, a pretty significant restructuring about eight months ago, and the role changed uh, with that, which um, you know turned out to be a, a really exciting opportunity for me um, and and really the team. I think I hope at large. So I, I kind of wear a couple of hats. Um, we're very much a decentralized marketing organization. The company grew up in a kind of regional, local dynamic around the world. And so we, we've moved back to a structure of that. And so I lead the U.S. marketing team, um, you know, inclusive of all of our marketing channels, our direct-to-consumer business. Um, we also have something we refer to as the Grill Academy, which are our in-house grill masters that teach people how to, you know, make great food and, and use, their, use their grills. So that's one part of the job. And then the other part is um, we do still have an in-house um, global creative team that supports you know all the regions and then very specifically supports the US team and so I'm responsible for the US creative organization or the global creative organization as well. Wow, awesome. Well, I mean when we were first getting to know each other, you know, I was just sort of uh, waxing on and on about like I love the brand. I think it's it's just got to be a lot of fun to yeah. work on, right? Because you know, food is very emotional. You know, it's That's gathering true. around the grill, it's family, like there's just so much that you know, juice to squeeze as a marketer, you yeah. know, that it's not just the functional benefits, but it's like really strong on emotional benefits as well. So as yeah. you think about that as a marketer, like what is it about a brand like Weber 
that gets you excited? Yeah, I. There, somebody actually said something yesterday that I, I immediately wrote down, and that, that what they said was, it's not about gathering around the fire; it's about the community that gathers around the fire. And I just love that that little tweak to what it is we do. Right? We just went through a, a new brand purpose exercise, and and you know what we kept coming back to was it was about bringing people together. It's about these memories that exist. I'm sure all of us, you know, have that memory of, you know, us and our parents making a meal or the, you know, a family reunion around, you know, cookout or just a quiet Friday night sitting in the backyard and making steaks, right? We all have those moments that we kind of picture in our minds. And of course it's about the food, right? So food is a, is a connector, is a, is something that creates adventure, creates comfort, right? If there's the full spectrum. And so I love all of that about the Weber brand. And then I think what I've found in my career, uh, I think, you know, Bob, you and I were speaking about this before. When I left P&G to pursue sports, I was like, oh, I'm a sports marketer for the rest of my life. That's what I'm going to do. Um, you know, I've, I've mentioned my passion for it. And as I was trying to figure out what was going to be after Wilson, I had to challenge myself a little bit on, is it sports or is there something about sports that Mm-hmm. that was actually the driving force behind that. And I think what I found is it's brands that I, and industries that I feel connected to, right? I hope every marketer finds their way to roles that they feel connected to. But also I wanted to work on brands that consumers had a genuine passion for, right? So I didn't want to work on commodities. Um, there is so much that I learned at PNG. It was an amazing place. We could spend months working on an herbal essences campaign and Tresemme would drop a BOGO coupon and <laughs> consumers would go buy Tresemme, right? And it, and so I, that doesn't happen in, in a, a lot of the places I've been blessed to work in. But since then, on you know, these passion brands, these passion industries, there's consumers that would do anything to make food on a Weber grill and wouldn't touch another grill brand, right? And it's that, that connection as a marketer, I, you just, you can't beat it. Um, and so I, I love being in that environment where uh, we, we, we have stories all the time. One of our grill masters was out the other day pumping gas at a gas station, wearing his Weber hat. And he said somebody just walked up to him completely unsolicited and started telling him stories about he and his father making you know food on their Weber grill. Right. Like that doesn't that doesn't happen with every brand. Um, and I'm just really excited to be you know at least partly responsible for continuing that. Yeah, I guess there's sort of a burden with that too, right? Because of the legacy is there. But one of the other things that sort of occurs to me about a brand like Weber is it's so multi-sensory, right? There's the warmth, literally. There's the smell. There's the sizzle. I mean, there's the taste. Like it just like it hits like on all the the senses physically and then all the emotional drivers that that creates. And, and I, I want to, to echo what it sounds like you picked up on. It's not about gathering around the fire. It's the community. That, that, that's a really cool insight. Yeah. One of the things that we had talked about um, was with this reorg that, that you've been given, you know, kind of more responsibility and it's more integrated so you're not just the responsibility, but now the authority to actually go <laughs> execute on some stuff. But mm-hmm. it, it's, as we're talking to other marketers who might be listening to this, the importance of, of really being an integrated team versus sort of siloed off functional things. Yeah, I, I've experienced kind of every iteration of that in 
gosh, 25 years now of doing this. Um, and, you know, I, I think every structure has its best intention, right? Every, every org structure, you know, nobody does it <laughs> without the best of intentions for it to work for whatever that company, whatever that culture is, whoever the personnel are. But I, I do find that where I've thrived more or where I've enjoyed the work more. And I think where we've just been better at our, our jobs and supporting the brand and business is when, to your point, the, the authority and the responsibility, the, the idea and the execution, you know, sit in one place. Right. And so again, despite best intentions, we had situations in the past where I was leading us marketing, but the social team was a global team and, and, you know, I, I didn't have the ability to directly influence what we were doing in social media for the U.S. market, despite being responsible for the U.S. market. And so those those disconnects or those lacks of integration, I think, make things really difficult. You know, things pass through more hands sometimes without adding value or even causing dynamics that aren't as productive as they could be. And so, um you know, the, the restructuring that we've been through has led to that decentralization, but also idea and execution sit in the same place. Strategy and, you know, going out and rolling it out are in the same place. And so, I mean, a benefit to a company as well is, you know, you, there's one person or one organization you go to look to. If it, is it working or is it not working, right? You don't have a matrix to try to kind of sift through to figure out, um, you, know, the, you know, the pros and cons of it. Um, and so I, I've enjoyed that as well. I've always Maybe this is the athlete in me as well. I've always enjoyed if somebody you know needs to shoot a free throw at the end of the game to win or lose, or a goalkeeper that needs to stop a ball. Mm-hmm. I, I I wanted to be the one on the line, mm-hmm. uh, and so I I don't shy away from that, and I and I you know I welcome the opportunity to try to kind of lead this this team collectively. Yeah, I mean we did an interview a month and a half or so ago um, talking about a results only work environment. And there were sort of two sides of, of the same coin. People want autonomy, you know, and it's like, I, I want to have the ability to, to do this the way that I believe this is the right way to do it sure. and, and treat me like an adult, you know, give me the responsibility. But, but the, the flip side is accountability. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what you're saying. Like, give me the ball. Like I'm, I'm fine for everybody to be watching and, Whatever happens is what happens. Absolutely. But you know, I'm not going to shy away from from that. So the autonomy coupled with the accountability, you know, for the right people, that's like the perfect work environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we try to we try to put that in every level of our organization, right? So the person who's responsible for, you know, social media and influencers and partnerships, I want them to feel that same level of autonomy and accountability for for you know what they're responsible for, for direct to consumer, for retailer marketing, right? I want each one of one of them to feel connected to the the broader mission, right, and accountable to the broader mission, but have that that true sense of accountability and autonomy within the environment that they're directly responsible for. So, so the the, the title of this episode is about working on iconic brands, which you know, you've got just an amazing portfolio. Um, what are the blessings and what are the curses? Of, of, you know, it's, if I'm a challenger brand and nobody's heard of me and I mess it up, sure. you know, <laughs> that little tree fell in the forest and nobody heard it, did it really fall? You know, yeah. versus like, no, this is like a big brand that you can actually mess this up. What, what are the blessings and the curses? Uh, I've done both. <laughs> I've, uh, um, so, I, so blessings, I would say, is 
you know, for each of, for Wilson, Louisville Slugger, and now Weber, um, frankly, the equity was bigger than the brand or bigger than the business, right? In, in each case, mm. there's this perception that it's this like, you know, that Wilson was Nike, right? Yes. There, were, there were many multiples difference in our, in our balance sheets, right? Um, but the, the brand equity and the trust and the love for the brand kind of opens doors that it may be more difficult for a challenger brand to open, right? So we're able to, to kind of create relationships that may be more challenging for other brands. Um, we can go places maybe that other challenger brands can't. So I would say that's definitely a blessing. Um, you know, the, 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 you know, brand recognition awareness, right? There's, we can kind of work in that environment a little bit differently, maybe than a brand that's just starting out. I would say some of the the challenges are, how do we fight multi-front wars as a, as a, as a brand that's been here a long time, we have a lot of challengers to different parts, individual parts of our business. And so how do you flex a brand that's a big brand that's been here a long time to be nimble, to, to be something, you know, in a category, if I take the pellet grilling category or the griddle category, Weber's not really played in that space, mm -hmm. but we have very, strong challengers in both of those environments that are only in those environments, right? And so yes. how do we take a brand known for one thing and and apply it to another? And so I think that's one of the challenges of a longstanding brand of how do you evolve it, frankly. Um, another that I've, that I think we could have run into, but we've been really blessed by leaders that have helped in this area is there's a lot of reticence to change a brand that's been around for a long time mm -hmm. to evolve a brand. And, um, you know, at Louisville Slugger, there was the day I came in and we started talking about having to relaunch that brand. It's fifth generation family company, right? The fifth generation, Hilrick is the CEO. The fourth generation is the chairman of the board. And the first people I talked to when we were thinking about relaunching the brand was, what are the sacred cows? What can I touch? What can I touch? What, what are you going to be uncomfortable with? And, and the answer I got was, go do it keep us in the loop. We know it needs to change. We know it needs to modernize and, and we'll help along the way, but there are no sacred cows. Wow. Um, and, and so I, that was so freeing to me as a, as a marketer leading, you know, through a process like that, where we learned really as much from our consumers as we did from leaders over time of, okay, that went a little too far, dial it back a little, oh, this shape, or even this font was really important in the logo. Um, and, and so we learned those parameters as we went by listening and, and gauging that, but, um, but, but there are some brands that, that really are challenged to, to change, right? I, I think, you know, Kodak comes up all the time, right? As that example, unfortunately, the, the poor folks at Kodak, but that, that belief and no, this is who we are. We can't change who we are. This is what got us here. Sometimes what got you here is not what gets you there next. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so just that comfort level of leadership that I've been blessed to work for knowing that we needed to change um, was really emboldening, I think, to myself and our teams. Yeah. You know, as, as we do these interviews with world-class marketers like you, one of the things that seems to come out is a conviction about what the brand is, the essence of the brand, but being open to the manifestation of that essence, right? Yeah. So, you know, whether it's in positioning or, uh, around innovation technology it's like well if the brand i'm making this up a little bit but if the brand is still about it's the the, the community that's gathering around that fire yeah. how that manifests itself we're pretty open to but we want to own that feeling 
in the minds and hearts of consumers. Yeah. Well, you can do a lot with that and not mess up the brand. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things I love, this is by the, the dorky marketer in, Merc, in me coming out, but I love asking people origin stories of their business, their brand. Like, tell me about why you started this. Tell me about that first year of getting it off the ground. Because each one of the brands that I've worked on that we've had a chance to relaunch, evolve, whatever, um, the origin story was so critical to that transition, right? If you, the ethos, the mindset, the motivation that was behind the brand from the very beginning, that's what needs to carry through. Whether the logo evolves, whether the color palette evolves, like those are things that that you may naturally need to kind of keep up with the times, if you will. But that spark of motivation that was behind why, you know, the first Hillrick, you know, Bud Hillrick carved his first baseball bat for, you know, the local player, like, man, that's that's gold. That's what needs mm-hmm. to carry through and and all that we do. And as you just mentioned, community, that was a big part of George Stevens starting the Weber brand was around he wanted to find a better way to cook for his family and his friends and what was available to him at the time didn't didn't provide what he wanted and so he started tinkering away and found a better way to do it and you know we keep tinkering 71 years later <laughs>